0: Hello? Check, check, check. Yep. There we go. All right. All right. So, um, yeah. So, here we are. Just another uh, Wednesday night. And uh, and yet, even though sometimes, uh, you know, we we can come to Wednesday night and, and it's just out of habit, something that we do, it's no ordinary Wednesday night. It never is. When you get into the Word of God and you allow the Word to um, do... Um, the work that God has ordained for it to do, it, it's never ordinary, it's extraordinary. Uh, the very thing that uh, the Lord does in our lives as we open up the Bible and we, uh, we dig into his word. Um, this evening we're going to continue through our studies in the book of Numbers. We'll be covering two chapters this evening, and that is the uh, cha- uh, chapter 23 and 24, with, uh, which one is just a, simply a continuation of the other as uh, Balaam and Balak are still going back and forth. Um, As we left last week, uh, Balak um, had solicited the services of Balaam. And uh, we know that uh, in chapter 22, he he had this conversation with the donkey. Um, That is just uh, something that uh, is absolutely odd, to be having a conversation with an animal. Um, I saw a video earlier today to where... Um, have you, have you guys seen Elf, the Christmas movie? Um, maybe, buddy? Yeah? Okay. So some of you have. Well, there's a scene in there to where the, the, you know, he's, he's traveling and on foot and he comes across this, uh, this raccoon and raccoons aren't very nice. And, uh, because he stands up and kind of hisses at him, he says, oh, someone needs a hug. And so, you know, he, it looks like he attaches to his face and mauls him, right? Well, I saw this video today to where, this uh, this raccoon, um, like this guy had I don't know like food like cat food or dog food or something on his finger on, and he was like oh he was video uh, taping the the whole thing and he says wow this is this is odd you know there's all kinds of raccoons that are kind of grouping together here and there was a cat that ran away that should have been his first clue right and uh, and so he's he has his food on the end of his hand and he kind of makes this little noise like you know like we make for our dogs kind of. You know, like that. And he actually came to him. Here comes this raccoon. And you could tell that the raccoon is not coming with good intentions. You know, he's coming like, like this already. And as he's coming up to him, sure enough, just at the last minute, he goes, <laughs> And he bites. He's like, ah, ah. And, he, and I don't know if he meant to do this, but he turned the video, and it was just directly on his face. And it was like, Wow, you thought that he was going to be nice to you. And, uh, and raccoons are not nice. They're not nice at all. So, if you ever see one out there, they look uh, nice and cuddly and furry, but uh, they don't need a hug. They need you to leave them alone. Well, one of the things that we we saw in the last chapter is that uh, Balaam um, just he was so just beside himself and, and angered over the fact that this donkey was not taking him to where he wanted to go that he was having this full on conversation with him, and uh, and so the donkey was reasoning with. Balaam, you know, have I, have I in all this time been unloyal to you? And, and have I not, you know, taken you wherever, you know, all, can you imagine the conversation going back and forth? I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? But that's the state of mind that we're in when we are outside of, of really reason, understanding and trusting in the Lord. When we are in sin and we're, we're just not listening to, to how the Lord is speaking to us, you know, um, we saw that in the last chapter. And that's going to continue, by the way, in this chapter and the next. Um, the, the Lord was very clear with Balaam. He told him not to go with Balak. He told him not to curse the Israelites. In fact, he told Balaam, the Israelites are blessed. And so you're not going to go with them. You're not going to curse them. They're blessed people. And he kept going back. As we as we saw in the last chapter, he kept going back to the Lord. Just hoping to hear perhaps something different and what happened is that the Lord left Balaam to his own desires and at the same time he continued to be the covering of Israel and I understand that we can relate to that in so many different ways the Lord will leave us to our desires at times and still fulfill his perfect will as far as the overall plan is concerned but he'll he'll leave us to our devices to fall to be at some point disciplined because God disciplines those whom he loves. But this evening, again, we have Balaam continuing to seek the Lord to, quote unquote, find out what he would like for Balaam to do. You know, he's already made it perfectly clear, but he wanted to know, hey, what would you have Balaam do? And he kept going back to him. We already know that Balaam's sin uh, was uh, that his motivation to continue seeking after the Lord on behalf of Balak was uh, for financial reason for financial gain. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. And so we know the reason why it is that he was falling short uh, of truly... Coming under the lordship of God and, and following what he had to say. So let's pray and then we'll get into our study this evening. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us through your word. That, Lord, we would not be uh, as Balaam was. Father, that as we hear your word, that, that we would not receive it as such. And still continue to go back to you and seek our own way instead. I pray, Lord, that we would learn even from this evening Lord, those things which um, need to be the lessons learned in our lives to apply to our lives to bring you glory. And so give us wisdom, we ask, Father. We seek you and you alone. We ask, Father, that you administer to us and teach us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's start out. Numbers chapter 23, verse 1. Uh, And Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam uh, had said. And Balak and Balaam offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to me, to meet me, and whatever he shows me I will tell you. And he went to a bare height, and God met Balaam. And Balaam said to him, I have arranged the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return to Balak and thus you shall speak. And he returned to him, that is to Balak, and behold, he and all the princes of Moab were standing beside his burnt offering. Let's pause for a moment there, because as we see here, God is about to speak through another donkey. And, um, you know, in many ways, that's exactly uh, what, he, what he is. I mean, he keeps going back to him, and donkeys are known to be not not very smart they're they're animals of burden that means that they can carry a big load, but they 're not very smart uh, in fact <clears throat> i have I have ridden donkeys, and uh, this one donkey in particular, my cousin and i were um, we were, we were on vacation we were at his house down in in Mexico, and we found this donkey out like in the wild, but we know that he was someone's right and um, so <clears throat> My cousin had a brilliant idea, and he thought, "Well, let's kind of bull ride him." Yeah, you already know that's that's not going to be a, just uh, ending very well. Well, he did fine. I mean, got on him. Have you guys ever been around bulls or donkeys or horses or anything? Yeah, if you have, you know, you just you just try these things. You just do. <clears throat> and um And so we were there, and he got on it, and, and I it crimped the the donkey's tail. it felt really good to him, so much so that he bucked and um and he tossed my cousin off, right, and so I was like, "Ah, that's cool, you know, so then I got on there, and he crimped his tail, and he didn't buck, but he ran, and he ran into some thorn bushes and and so I had a t-shirt on and some shorts. That's how smart we were at the time, right? Not that I've gotten any smarter from there. And, you know, donkeys... That was smart, though, by, by the way. This donkey having gone in there. Because he had me. He went in there and stopped. And I was crying. I was like 11 years old. I was crying. And, and uh, my dad came running. My mom came running. My uncle and aunt and everyone. And they were all laughing at me. And every time... Like my dad was trying to get me off or push the donkey back and the, and the donkey would go in even more. They're stubborn. They're very stubborn, right? He just wanted me off his back. And, um, and so needless to say, um, the donkey went straight through, but I was kind of held up by my dad and you know I was off, but I was all scraped up and everything and it was not a, not a good day. But donkeys are very stubborn. They're not very smart and they're just animals of burden. That's what they are. But yet, here we have Balaam, who has gone before the Lord. He's asked the Lord. Have you ever asked the Lord? He's, he's spoken to you very clearly through his word, and then you still do whatever you want to do? You keep insisting? I know I have, right? But the thing is, is sometimes as we, as we read this story, as we continue to go through it, we wonder, how is it that God used Balaam, Right? I mean, we know that Balaam wasn't doing it for the right reasons. We know that he was motive, motivated by finances, you know, financial gain through wrongdoing. We, we know that. We have read that several times over the course of the last couple studies and even once tonight. So we may ask, how is it possible that Balaam was used to, to, at all to speak for God? But keep in mind that even through this, that God is covering Israel He's still covering Israel by keeping Moab away. Moab is still at a distance. All they're able to do is kind of see Israel from afar. And even at that, only see a portion of them. And continues to speak definitely what the Lord wills through this blemished mouthpiece. God is able to do. He is sovereign. He can do what he wills through any vessel whatsoever. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He knows all things. God had used a donkey to speak speak to Balaam and now God uses another so you know uh, kind of a donkey to speak to Balak. Balaam may be successful in attaining a little financial gain, but God will always be perfect in his power and victory in his perfect will. Balaam got a little religious you could say with Balak. He was trying to do something to offer up to the Lord, these sacrifices, these burnt offerings. And he erected, they erected seven altars and offered these burnt offerings on the altars before going to the Lord and seeking his direction. Perhaps this would satisfy the Lord and appease him. And in doing so, he would receive Balaam and tell him what he wanted to hear. Sometimes... We can do the very same thing. We kind of go through the motions. If I do this, maybe it'll please you enough to where you will answer me in the affirmative in the thing in which I am seeking you for. Sometimes the answer is just a a plain no. You know, just like with Balaam, it was a plain no. I mean, it it couldn't have gotten any clearer, right? You're not going to go with Balak. You're not going to curse my people. You're you're not going to do that. They're a blessed people. But he kept going back. So the Lord sent Balaam back to Balak, who was standing by his burnt offering, along with with, uh, the the other leaders of Moab, to hear what the Lord had spoken to Balaam. So he was waiting for him to come back. Let's see what his response is as we continue. Verse 7 says, And Balaam took up his discourse and said, From Aram Balak has brought me the king of moab from the from the eastern mountains come curse jacob for me and come denounce israel how can i curse whom god has not cursed how can i denounce whom the lord has not denounced for from the top of the crags i see him from the hills i behold him behold a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations who can count the dust of jacob or number the fourth part or a fourth of israel let me die the death of the upright, and let me end, let my end be like, like his. And Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took, you, I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, Must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? So <clears throat> this is God's response to Balaam, and then Balaam goes back to Balak. Uh, God's response when he responds, it's absolute. It's not, it's not anything but absolute. In his omniscience, God knew exactly what Balak wanted to do, but no man, no matter what he seeks to do, it with it can curse those whom he has blessed and not cursed. It's like it's, man cannot curse that which God has not cursed. It's like, well, my word will override his. No, our word does not override God's word. He is sovereign and he is all-powerful. God also makes it known that this people are his people. So he's, he's revealing some things. Perhaps you did not hear me clearly, Balak. Balaam, listen up because I'm speaking through you. Perhaps you have not heard me clearly, but these people are my people who are set apart from the rest of the nations unto him. And they are called his. God had promised Israel would be numerous and would be a separate nation, would be a people separated from the world and unto him. And Balaam concluded with a word speaking his desire to die the death of a righteous person. And yet, how many people, if you were to ask, would like to die the death of a righteous person? In other words, would like to have all the benefits of righteousness, of God's righteousness, all the benefits, heaven, right? Most... I think most people would say, I want that. I want to die the death of a righteous person. And yet, Balaam had rejected to live the life of a righteous man. They both go together. You see, sometimes we say, oh God, oh Savior, and yet we forsake him as Lord. He is to be Lord of all if he's going to be Lord at all. He is to be everything to us. He's to be the one to whom we submit and allow to govern our lives. To be disciples of, of Jesus Christ is actually to be a follower. A, fo- a follower would submit to his master, his Lord. That's what we saw from the beginning of the, of the New Testament. The church, as we go through, we need to understand that that's exactly what God requires and expects of us. As we call ourselves disciples. Disciples. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him daily, daily. That's what a disciple is. Balak's response is, as Balaam passed along the word of God, was one of disappointment. He was paying Balaam for a curse and all he was receiving was blessings. Like first he said no, now he's like giving him blessings. That's all he's getting from Balaam. Balaam's response also is something that we can read and, and kind of just—you can read into it as Balaam's response. There's this undercurrent there. There's this undercurrent of disappointment as well, as he can only speak that uh, what the Lord puts in his mouth. You know, whatever the Lord puts in my mouth, I will—I will speak. But again, we—we already—we know we can go. We can fast forward, right? And we can see what it says in the New Testament about this this very person and, and what his motives were and where his heart was and understand that there was this underlying current with him. He was going for more, and we're going to understand a little bit clearer how he was going to the Lord. And so no doubt he was a bit disappointed when all he kept getting from the Lord after having sacrificed all that they had sacrificed, more of the same. But apparently... As we'll see, he'll keep trying for Balak, his employer. So let's see, verse 13, as we continue. And Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only a fraction of them and shall not see them at all. And and shall not see them all, I'm sorry. Then curse them for me from there. And he took him to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars and offered a A bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stand here beside your burnt offering while I meet the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. And he came to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? So what we see here is that the enemy tries a kind of a different angle. Something a little different, right? Balak takes Balaam to another hill to perhaps do that one thing that uh, he was, had been paying him to do, but God had already told him no. And, and I couldn't help but to think how it was that the enemy is persistent with us. You know, just as, just as Balak is with Balaam, so is the enemy with each and every one of us. He's persistent. He'll keep at us. The, the knock of temptation will be there. We'll hear it. It's, it's always there. What we choose is very important. And here we see how the enemy attempted a different angle. And he will always, the enemy will always attempt a different angle. If you don't determine in your heart that you will not consider any of his offerings. We need to determine in our hearts. We need to stand fast in the, the truth of God's word. And we need to make up our minds beforehand what we will do in the case that we run across temptation. You know the scenarios. You you know the, the things that you are weak in. But if you don't determine in your heart, the very same thing will happen. Something will come your way and you'll go back to the Lord. Could I possibly? Can I? Should I? Would I? Would you let me? Right? And you keep asking the Lord. Balaam kept going back to him. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians as they were demonstrating that they were being led by the flesh. They were carnal Christians. And there is a such thing, as we see in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, how it was that that he rebuked them and and exhorted them, and he gave them direction and, and laid down what it was that was a standard of God according to his word. He kept doing that. So we saw how it was that the Corinthian church was in that place. But one thing that I will never forget is, is this, this one verse that actually should help all of us to be a separate people, to be consecrated unto the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, the apostle Paul writes, For I have decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, what's meant by this is that the Apostle Paul determined in his heart not to get entangled in anything that was a compromise and in which the people were a part of and was known within the Corinthian congregation at that time. It's like I, I know the power lies in the cross. Have you ever heard that? There's power in the cross. Why do pastors say that? Why is it that you can hear, you you hear other Christians say that there's power in the cross? Well, Paul's purpose, uh, Paul's purposing to remain separate unto the Lord and the power of the cross meant that there was victory over the flesh and the power that the flesh had over him, he actually had victory over it. Like Sin no longer was this strong lure, this strong thing in his life. Why? Because the power was actually taken away on the cross. And if this is what we keep before us, the cross and a reminder that our sin, past, present, and future, was was nailed with Jesus on the cross, then we will be reminded that the flesh no longer has any power over us, but has been crucified with Christ. And we are new, truly new creatures in Christ, in order to allow the Spirit to possess more of us instead of the flesh that is dead. You know, the, the uh, impact that the Spirit can have on us can be great. But it has to first be in the consecration, the, the sanctification, I'm sorry, the, the sanctification that the Lord is doing in our lives, a work of refining us, strengthening us, building us up. Remember that we, um, we are new creatures. We have new hearts. We are completely new. And so we have victory over sin. We have victory over the flesh in Christ. But Balaam's problem was the very same thing that we deal with, and that is the flesh. The carrot that was dangled before him. You know, what's your carrot? I don't know what your carrot is. But for, for Balaam, the carrot that was dangled in front of him was gain, financial gain. It was there. It was set before him, honor. You know, Balak was, was uh, promising him, honor, honor. I, I, can, I can bestow upon you all this honor, power, prestige, you know, kind of position, a name, a name. That, that was dangled before him, and he, and he liked it. He was like, I, I want a name. I want honor. I want prestige. I, I want all of that. And he kept going. Balaam had told Balak and his leadership to do the same thing that he had previously asked them to do in offering burnt offerings. And then, and then he'd go to the Lord. So the temptation was so big for, for Balaam. And he told him, hey, do the same thing. Do it one more time. Do it one more time and we'll see what the Lord has to say. And, and God sent Balaam back to Balak with a word. And it was, verse 18, <clears throat> And Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune to Jacob, nor... Has he seen trouble in Israel? The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. For there is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what has God wrought? Behold, a people. As a lioness, it rises up, and as a lion, it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey, and drunk the blood of the slain. What a word. What a word. And you know, as he comes back to Balak to give him what the Lord had had given him to speak, God's command is really what came out. A word of rebuke in it, and it was strong. He told him, stand up and be prepared to hear what the Lord has to hear. It's a rebuke with instruction. In fact, what we see here is that God schools Balak in a few areas. First of all, God wants to make sure that Balak knows. Listen, God is not like man. I, I, I know we, we know each other. Sometimes we, we base our relationship with God by the relationships that we have either experienced in the past or experiencing today with each other. And what God was telling Balak is, God is not like man. In what ways? Well, number one, God is incapable of lying. We are very capable of lying. Even little white lies. Little things. God cannot lie. He is faithful. He cannot deny himself. By the way, and I, wanna, I wanted to throw this out there because we need to understand that the God that Islam professes is god allah is a god that is very well known and it's declared in the quran that is is a god that can deceive can lie can cheat can do all those things why because they say he is sovereign he can do whatever he wants to do he can change his mind if, if that's what he wants to do but the god of abraham isaac and jacob god yahweh this is a God that cannot lie, that cannot deny himself. He, he, can't, he can't go back on his word. His word is true. And when we see his promises, we can stand on his promises. They're solid. And so the first thing that the Lord wanted Balak to know, and hopefully Balaam, you hear the, 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 the words that I spoke to you and the ones that you're passing along to Balak. God is incapable of lying. He, he does not and cannot lie. Secondly, God does not change his mind. He will not vacillate. What he says he will do, what he says will come to pass. Thirdly, what God commands, man cannot cancel. I I kind of said that earlier. We cannot override, we cannot speak over the Lord. But what God commands, man cannot conceal uh, or cancel, cannot repeal, cannot invalidate Man cannot withdraw what God has promised, what God has said. Man doesn't have that kind of power. God also instructs Balak on Israel. Hey, listen, these people, they're blessed by God. And it's, interest, it's interesting because God says that they're walking uprightly before him. Well, we know that the previous generation was not walking uprightly before the Lord. But by God's grace, he, he, he knows his presence is with them and he goes with them. But he's saying, this generation right here, they're walking uprightly before before him, before the Lord. And it's only by God's grace. Only by God's grace. Thirdly, God has not held anything against Israel that would deny his promises being fulfilled. Again, by his grace and his character, we see all of this. He is faithful. He cannot lie. And so he's not going to go back on his word. Fourthly, God has delivered them. He's reminding Balak and Balaam of this very fact that God had delivered them. He's with them and would see them through to victory. And fifthly, Israel has great strength. They have his strength. And they are like, you could say, the king of the jungle, the lion. Right? Makes reference to the lioness and the lion. He does as he pleases. And so he's rebuking Balak, but he's also instructing him further of who these people are and and that he is with them. He's not going to, we know God doesn't forsake. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't turn his back on his people. He's with us through and through. At this point, how much more fear should this have really struck into the heart of Balak. Much more, right? At this point, it would be like, okay, maybe I should just, just back off. But he didn't. He didn't. We, we see Balak's desperate response here in the following verses. Verse 25 says, And Balak said to Balaam, Do not curse them at all and do not bless them at all. But Balaam answered Balak, Did I not tell you all that the Lord says that I must do? So it's kind of a desperate response. Listen, at this point, don't do anything. Don't do anything at all. Instead of saying any sort of blessing, instead of saying anything like that, what Balak is saying, and he's pleading with Balaam, just keep your mouth closed. Don't say a word. Balak is no doubt taking a deep breath out of fear. I, I have no doubt that at this point, he sees the greatness, the numbers, in Israel. And he hears what Balak is telling him. And things are just not going his way. And he's telling Balaam to just take a moment before he's, he's basically going to solicit him again to curse the Israelites. The enemy of God's people doesn't want to hear anything except a curse. Nothing. Doesn't want to hear anything good. No blessing don't speak God's word. Don't, don't touch the book. Just don't do anything. Nothing at all. Don't do anything at all. If you have nothing but God's word in your mouth, your heart and in your mind, the enemy says, don't think about it, don't say it, don't act on it, don't pray on it, don't meditate on it. And then what happens is he'll solicit you again. He will tempt you Again. In some other way, while you're doing absolutely nothing. And so that's that's what we see with Balak. That's what he's doing. He's like, don't do anything right now. If you're not waiting on the Lord by actively reading, praying, and worshiping him, then you are in essence actively waiting on Satan to do his work in your life. It's like you're being led by one or the other. If you're being led by the flesh, guess guess what? led by the flesh you're being led by the world you're being led by those things that are um you know just really something in your eyes those are all the the lures of the enemy he seeks to destroy to devour you to completely bring you to a point to where you're absolutely nothing in the kingdom of god First Peter five eight says, "Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." It says, "Resist him, firm in your faith." That's what we are to be as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as God's people. Now, Balaam, at this point, you could say should have turned and ran. You know, he'd heard enough. He should have just like I'm out of here, Balak. You know, keep keep your Money. I'm, I'm just I'm going back to my people. But instead, he kept leaving himself open and available to Balak to try perhaps again and again. Verse 27, as we continue. And Balak said to Balaam, come now. I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me. From there, so Balak took Balaam to the top of Pior, which overlooks the desert. And Balaam said to Balak, Build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord, verse 1 of chapter 24, uh, to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him. This is Balaam's third prophecy now. God's third message to Balaam through, or to Balak through Balaam. Balak solicited Balaam to curse Israel from another location. Maybe this location. Maybe it will please God to do so from, maybe maybe it's another spot we need to try. Another hill. Balaam was led by Balak to that other spot. And Balaam, unfortunately, considered it. He told Balak to sac- maybe sacrifice another seven bulls, another seven rams. So how many of that? Man, a total of 21 bulls and 21 rams. That's a lot of sacrifice. That, that actually is, is, a, is a huge cost. Not to mention everything that he was paying Balaam. It's not like Balaam was there for free. He was there for hire. But what we see here, so what we see with, with that is that Balak was like he was very deeply invested. He was he was in there. Right? But what we see here is something that helps us understand how it is that he had gone to the Lord the previous times. This time, he went, not um, as he had before, at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. The other times, Balaam went to the Lord looking for a curse, is what we see there. Looking for perhaps any indication that the Lord would allow Balaam to curse Israel. Some, some kind of sign that was there that the Lord would give Balaam to give him permission to do that which he was hired to do by Balak. But not this time. He didn't go in that way. This time Balaam went and simply looked toward the Israelites and saw them not as a portion of people to curse, but truly as God's people and who they Word to the Lord to Him. Compromise, sinful, fleshly desires will build and disto- will blind and distort our sight. Even though we, we can say we, we go to God, if we're in our sin, if we're full of ourselves, if we're full of the flesh, lust after anything idolatry idolatry by the way is is putting something before the god in before god in that place that he is to have in your life that's what idolatry is so even though we go to god filled with these things we we don't normally and can't see clearly what the lord has for us to see because the desires of our hearts are not in line in line with his are not in line with his. What we're seeking, what we want to see is that which we desire most in our hearts. Like, do you desire to see God's will done in your life or your own? What, whatever it is that you are pursuing. This time it was different for Balaam. He went out and simply looked out and saw God's people for who they were. When we go humbly and with a genuine desire to be shown what God wants and wills, then we will see what the Lord desires to show us. And we will see clearly and know and speak according to the Spirit. Verse 3, as we continue here, And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel. Like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries. And shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness, who will rouse him up? Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. So the question is what did Balaam see now? Well, it's very plain, right? Very clear. Balaam saw an Israel that was truly blessed abundantly by the Lord. It's very descriptive. The Lord was blessing Israel. And we can see it in the, in the beautiful words that he was given. Balaam was given by the Lord. A beautiful people who are great in number. People who are provided for by God and whose king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all and his people are above all. Again, God reminds Balak. Now, he had delivered his people from Egypt with power. And with that same power, by the way, will consume anyone in any nation that comes against him. Not only that, but God now tells Balak that anyone who blesses his people will be blessed themselves. But anyone who curses his people will be themselves cursed. And so for Balak, it it simply continues to get worse and worse. Like I said at the beginning, when, he, when Balaam first went to the Lord, it was, no, you're not going to go with him. No, you're not going to curse him. They are a blessed people. The second time, he blessed him. The third time, what we have here is, listen, you're the one who desires to curse the Israelites. And what I'm telling you, Balak, is that the one who blesses my people will be blessed. The one who curses my people will himself be cursed. So it keeps getting worse for him. Just remember, the God is the one in whose hand there is perfect vengeance. We need to to always leave it to him. And he will apply it perfectly. But just remember this. That God wishes that none should perish, right? But that all should reach repentance. Not that that anyone would fall. But at some point that we we ourselves would come to that place... Of repenting and coming to the Lord. And surrendering our lives to him. For in him we have life. And life everlasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for us. What we need to strive to do. Is to do good. And especially to those of the household. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we are to bless the Lord. Stand on the truth. Not compromise it. And never tire of doing good. And so this is what, he, what Balaam brought to Balak. And uh, Balak got a little upset because a fool does not understand. Verse 10 as we continue. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. And I said, I will certainly honor you. But the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, did I not tell your messengers, whom you sent to me, if Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord and uh, to do either good or bad of my own will? What the Lord speaks, that, I, that will I speak? Uh, <clears throat> now we, we understand, Balak does not know God. He's blind in his sin, and at this point, he's absolutely furious. Balaam has been of no help whatsoever. What he hired him to do, he didn't do. He, he He didn't curse Israel. In fact, if anything, now he's brought a curse on Moab and its king. So he's upset. Balak foolishly had eyes and ears that couldn't see and couldn't hear. He had a mind that could not understand To what the Lord had spoken through Balaam. He heard absolutely nothing at all. And is even reminding Balaam in his ignorance and foolishness. Imagine Balak was reminding Balaam, hey, listen, I told you. I could have given you all of this honor, all of these things, and and I had the power to do so. And in his ignorance, and foolishness he was saying these things these great things in his kingdom he was offering to him but then he went a step further and he told balaam that it was god who denied him to possess this honor it was your god it was god that that denied you having this honor i could have given it to you but he's the one that held you back from receiving this this amazing honor If you would have only cursed Israel. Now, not that Balaam wasn't seeking to possess this honor. uh, To to have gain from wrongdoing. But he he, he wasn't given that liberty to do so by God. Balaam correctly responds by saying that he he could only speak that which was given to him by the Lord. No matter what was given and promised to him by Balak. Nothing at all. Even if it's in front of his eyes, the fool will not see who the Lord is, or pay attention to what he says. And it's amazing to me to see how, how a person can be presented with truth just plainly, just plainly. It, it, it always uh, bewilders me. But at the same time, I remember how it was that for years, uh, I would be presented with the truth, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My sister would tell me. She was saved at a, at a young age. And I was presented with the truth, with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and I wouldn't receive it for, for many years. But I'm still in awe because at the point, at the point where I, I did understand I received and, uh, and I did surrender my life to Jesus Christ, but there are so many people like I was for many years that would listen and I would blindly just stay in my sin. I wouldn't receive. And I want to tell you, don't ever give up on people. Don't ever give up on them. Keep praying for them. Keep keep, keep giving them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Because it could be that very, that one moment that they're open to receiving. It's like, okay, I, I want to understand what you're saying. What, what are you telling me here? That I need a savior? Because I, I am far from him remaining in my sin. I, I remain in, I'm condemned already. You know, and, and you never know when a person's going to finally listen. Balak is an example of a person that was just blind to it all. No matter what was before him, no, ma- no matter what was told him, he just did not get it. He was furious. We need to make sure that we as Christians are not a Balak. You know, we're not blind to what the Lord is telling us, what he has before us. Be humble before him, be broken, a broken and contrite heart. O God, these you will not despise, is what the psalmist said. So then we have another prophecy that Balaam speaks. Verse 14, as we continue. And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab. And break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed there. Also his enemy shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. Then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the Kenite and he took up his discourse and said, Enduring is your dwelling place, and your nest is set on the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from Kittim and shall afflict Asher and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Balaam is now prophesying without having been asked to inquire of the Lord by Balak. Balaam is shown, he knows, and speaks regarding the future. The future of who who are we reading about here? In numbers, back in numbers. Through the mouth of a, a man who continues to seek really after his own. All in the name of the Lord, right? Going to him. Well, Balaam is prophesying... About the coming king, about the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's who he's prophesying of. Balaam speaks of all of Israel's neighbors and their future destruction and the dominion that Jesus will exercise over them. The Moabites, the Edomites, the Amalekites, the Kenites, all of these. In Zechariah fourteen nine, The Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. And it's truly amazing how it is that as, at, at this point, Balaam is going to go back to his people. We're, we're done with this exchange between Balak and Balaam. No doubt Balak is, is done with Balaam. He's like he doesn't want any more. But at this point, it's, it's awesome going back to these books, to where if we hadn't studied, if we don't study the Old Testament of these books, thinking, well, We should just stick in, you know, to the New Testament and go through it. Well, it's awesome how we're going through the New Testament, but we go through the Old Testament and we see how it all comes together and how the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's more to come. And here we have Balaam. This man who is given a word by the Lord. Looking ahead. And he says, seeing him, although not now. Beholding him, but not near. He sees him. Who, who else saw him as one from afar? Remember in Hebrews chapter 11? Who said that? Abraham saw, saw him from afar, right? And that's what we have the prophets of old as, as they themselves prophesied and, and gave us a word that we have recorded for us as God's word. To help us understand how it is that God is sovereign. And over the course of all of these years. It's been fulfilled perfectly in Jesus Christ. That which was spoken at this point. This prophecy was not for the immediate. But obviously it was set for a future date to be fulfilled. And then they went their separate ways. Verse 25, as we conclude, Then Balaam rose and went back to his place, and Balak also went his way. We know, because um, the Bible uh, speaks very clearly, as we have read, that Balak and Balaam actually desired the same thing. For Balak, he wanted Israel cursed because he knew that if they weren't, that uh, the Moabites would be no match for them at all. Balaam wanted Israel cursed for the money, but either way, it wasn't going to happen. Balak was a perceptive leader, leader, though. At least he had the insight to know that this was the approach that he needed to take in order to break down Israel, God's people, because there was no other way. Likewise, the enemy is always making every attempt at drawing us away from God and removing us from abiding in Christ so that he can pounce on us and destroy us. God's people, he wants to like draw us away. If he can single us out and kind of leave us out on his own, on, on our own, then he, the, the enemy can come and pounce on us. And he will never, he, never, he will never let down until we go home to be with the Lord. So we should always be on guard. We should always have this spiritual awareness we should learn from what we have gone over this evening, and be that person that is spoken of by the apostle Peter in first Peter five eight. Be sober minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And the first part of verse nine says, Resist him firm in your faith. You need to be sober minded. We need to be clear minded. Be in God's word, know. Know when the false comes. Know when there's temptation. Remember I, I had said, you need to determine in your heart. Your word have I hidden in my heart, the psalm said, the word, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not, may not sin against you. Psalm 119, 11. That's the person that we need to be. Meditating on God's word, standing firm on the truth of God's word and determine beforehand that we're not going to sin against the lord so much there and i pray that the holy spirit was your teacher as we went through god's word and was perhaps showing you things that uh, apply to your lives specifically um, where you're at so let's pray father we we thank you lord Um, we thank you lord that we can come to your word and and lord you, you teach us you show us things that we need to hear at the present moment I pray, Lord, that um, that you did just that, Father. That your Spirit would remind us of things that we have heard tonight, that we need throughout the the rest of the week, and and at different times in our lives, that we would bring your glory, that we would have that wisdom that you, Lord, promised to give us as we ask without doubting. And so, Lord, may we not be a people who who compromise, who continue to go back to you that. Maybe by doing certain things and going to you, we could hear something different from which we have already heard from you and come to know according to your word. May we be known as loving you and demonstrating it by our obedience to your word. May we also be known by the love that we have for one another. That we are your disciples, that we are followers of you. And Lord, we live with a certain hope of one day for all eternity being in your glory. We thank you for your grace and for your love that you have demonstrated through your son, Jesus Christ. Bless you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.